Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Hold on, hold on. We will start off this show in the normal way with a hi. I am Jonathan. And I'm Lauren. And we are Glib Shark. Tonight, Jack is doing family things and won't be joining us. We hope that he is doing actual family things and not with, quote unquote, the family, as in the Indian Catholic Mafia. I'm sure that's not the case, but if it is, um, don't get whacked, bro. In I the meantime, hope it's both the case. <laughs> in the meantime, as usual, in a stunning display of consistency these days we have the lovely the talented the amazing oboe crazy here to do a little something we call this week in geek how you doing oboe apparently stunningly consistent i think that's the nicest thing anyone has said about me in a very long time uh two news things i wanted to talk about this week both semi-related first if you're a fan of comic books you're probably familiar with Comixology, which is probably one of the most popular comic book apps out there. I've used it, especially for uh, the entire Hawkeye run by Matt Fraction, and many other people have used it. Well, Comixology is taking a page out of Netflix's book, and instead of just being able to buy individual issues or whole runs, the storefront will now offer a flat rate service that lets users read through thousands of stories for just $6 a month. So the caveat here is it doesn't include DC or Marvel, probably because both of those have their own subscription service. Uh, specifically, Marvel Unlimited is already an app you can go out there and and purchase, do a monthly subscription, and get the whole Marvel back catalog. DC is still kind of working on it. However, if you exclude the, the giants in the room, there's still quite a lot of amazing comic books available from Image, Boom, IDW, Dark Horse, and a whole bunch of other publications. Uh, the press release that got sent out includes an initial list of titles, which is way too long to even begin to, to cover on this podcast uh, for a couple of interesting tidbits. It does include Attack on Titan, Bitch Planet, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Chew, Fairy Tale, um, let's see, the Hellboy comics, Lazarus, Lock and Key, Outcast, Red Sonia, Saga, uh, the new Serenity comic that's actually putting out by uh, Joss Whedon, uh, let's see, 
The Walking Dead, Wicked. So there's there's a bunch of really popular titles out there. Nonetheless, a bunch of publishers who put out consistently amazing content that just aren't getting the same kind of movie love that Marvel and DC do. The press release doesn't specify how wide the gap will be between new releases and the most recent installments, which is the one downside to Marvel Unlimited's uh, subscription service. That has an eight-month gap. You can't get things newer than eight months as a way to encourage people to actually go to a comic book store. Um, but, you know, in this digital age, it's it'll be interesting to see that gap start to tighten, especially with these smaller publishers who maybe don't get marquee space in a comic book store, whether they'll be okay with having a, a much more quick release schedule. Nevertheless, it's it's an impressive selection. It's definitely a good way for somebody who has been interested in getting into comics and wants to be able to try out a wide variety of stuff, but really isn't interesting and interested in dropping hundreds or thousands of dollars on comics. $6 gets you access to just a wealth of styles, of artists, of writers, of genres, and you can pick and choose and browse and hopefully find something that you really like and go from there. Speaking of Comixology wanting to become the Netflix of comics, let's talk about Netflix for a moment. Ah, synergy. So Netflix has become fairly ubiquitous and certainly it's become the go-to place to see a lot of not only original content but also just anything media-wise for television and movies and documentaries that you want put out there and Netflix just basically locked up a whole giant collection of stuff recently. They just announced that starting in September they will be the only place that you can find Disney stuff. That's right. Cinderella, The Avengers, Indiana Jones, Toy Story. Uh, Netflix has an exclusive deal with Disney and its subsidiaries. So you are not going to see any Disney properties on Hulu or Amazon Prime for those films. This uh, We've heard a lot about Netflix's original shows. This is a deal that bolsters the larger category, yeah, the larger catalog in a huge way. And of course, Netflix already has a relationship with Marvel, what with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and all of the other original shows that are coming out. And maybe this means we'll be able to get Star Wars. The new Star Wars would be nice. It's just another reason to go ahead and get Netflix and be able to see all this stuff. But it certainly is something that parents are going to be interested in because if their kids want to be able to watch Frozen on an endless loop, guess where they have to go now? That's all for This Week in Geek. I'm Obo Crazy, and I don't want that stuck in my head ever, ever again. The world is indeed a strange cold place where apparently you need to let it go. And if you have a fact that you want read live and on the air, you can contact Obocrazy at Obocrazy on Twitter or on the Rooster Teeth site, roosterteeth.com slash Obocrazy. If it's awesome, if it's weird, if it's the first time in forever, she will read it for you live and on the air. And give you credit. Indeed. I was curious. So this is the streaming services I assume that if you've bought a movie on, say, Amazon Prime, that those are still intact. Like, purchase movies are still okay. 
yeah, this is only about, uh, at least the announcement was just streaming services and the exclusions were just other streaming services, specifically Hulu and uh, Amazon Prime is just, I think, what they actually call everything from their Prime service to their streaming services. So, yes, my understanding is you can still go on Amazon and buy Star Wars or the Avengers or Cinderella or whatever. Uh, but as far as getting a streaming service, you can't go to Hulu anymore and get any of this. And it's it's an interesting deal because Netflix has definitely been one of those companies that's had it's had its ups and downs and it's certainly been um, one of those media giants and newer wave of um, content providers that every couple of years, someone or a lot of people announce, Oh, well, Netflix is dying. Oh, Netflix is coming back. Oh, Netflix is dying. I mean, I, I seem to remember a while ago, especially when they were starting to phase out of having the the physical discs that they were sending out to people and they changed their subscription model and everyone was like, oh, this is, this is the death of Netflix. Everyone's just going to go to Hulu. And so the fact that they still have the clout to not only start to work with uh, Marvel uh, with some of these original shows like Daredevil, but then to lock Disney down, I mean... That's no small feat right there. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, I, do you think that's, is this scary or encouraging that, some, that Netflix has either gotten big enough to deal with Disney or that, that Disney is coming down a couple of notches to deal with, with, um, with Netflix? I, I don't think it's either. I think it's just it's kind of logical business sense when you think about it from both sides. From Netflix's point of view, they get access to a giant storehouse of movies. I mean, it said all of Disney and Disney subsidiaries. So it's all of Disney's back catalog, including their oldest animated films. It's Pixar, it's the Marvel stuff, it's now the Star Wars stuff and the Lucasfilm stuff. So from Netflix's view, it's it's a coup that some of the most popular movies of all time, if you want to stream them, if you have the night and where you come home and go, ah, you know, I haven't seen uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in forever. This is the only place you can just go and queue it up. From Disney's perspective, it's probably also a very good thing. They're probably getting a really nice cut. They've um, locked down a platform. So now instead of like, go here, go there, go here, go there, they're, they're, it's a very directed approach. It is Netflix, which is huge and easy to get on, you know, pretty much any electronic device. And now that they've got that kind of partnership with, partnership with the streaming service, I'm actually curious when they pull stuff out of the vault, if they'd be willing to have stuff be streamable for a short amount of time. Right. When, you know, when they pull Fantasia out of the vault and allow it to be, you know, bought and put, put it back in movie theaters like they do with all their old movies, will it show up on Netflix for a limited time, which would be really cool. So I don't well, know. I, have to see, I don't, that I don't is think it's actually, a bad thing. Yeah, that is actually a really good point because they love to do that. It's like out of the vault for a limited time. And what the and that could have them doing things like a rolling trip back to the vault. Like yeah. initially they they throw it out to streaming. It's like out on out from the vault on Netflix. And then 
once it's done its Netflix run, they're like, get it on DVD for the last time because it's going back into the vault. They could do those yep. like stage deals. Yep. And hey, we're going to put the movie out on Netflix and, you know, have it out for a month, two months, whatever. And then when they do that, pull it back. And now it's only available to buy as the Blu-ray with the special features and the new, you know, high, res- high, high re- resolution and all of the extra stuff. And you only get that for a short amount of time. Um, so it, it gives people a chance to see the movie that they've missed and it reminds people about this movie that they've loved and then it encourages them to still go out and buy the the physical media if they can offer all these extras, which is still something you can't get on Netflix. You can't get the behind the scenes and the, you know, all the extra special features. So yeah, I, I have no idea what kind of deal wrangling had to happen to make this happen because I'm sure Hulu was would have slaughtered innocent children in order to prevent this kind of thing from happening but no I mean good or bad I think it's it's a business decision that makes sense and it I think Hulu has been getting big enough and popular enough to compete in a lot of ways with Netflix and Netflix has to keep up and this is a way to do it I don't it'll know. Be really I just want to see Fantasia again. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see going forward, see yeah. how it works out. Well, so that's been Disney and Marvel and comics stuff. What else has been going on in your life? Well, as the uh, as the stream banner is indicating, I have been playing some Overwatch. I have I have wanted to play this because. This looks like a lot of fun, and I haven't for two reasons. One, I'm poor, and I don't have the money on a video game. And two, I am not sure if, I, if I'm if i going to spend the money on another video game if I want to spend the money on another multiplayer shooter because I'm still a Halo fanatic, and I don't know if... I don't, Overwatch seems like a different enough game from, the, you know your standard Halo's Call of Duty kind of shooter, but um, I'm still not sure if I, I would be able to spend the money on another shooter. But uh, you tell me about your experiences. So far, it's been really good. It, it is definitely a game that, it, that harkens back to Team Fortress. Very yeah. different from, from the Destinies and, the, and some of those other shoot and loot kind of games, like the Division and stuff like that. It is, you pick a character, you go into a match, you play a match, and then you're done. You move on to the next match. So it is very old school in that in that way. And a lot of the characters are even old school in sort of design. Like they have someone who is your standard FPS guy. So he has a machine gun, he has like some little rockets, and he can sprint around. He's very straightforward. And then you have another chick who can fly around and shoot rockets. So she's like kind of like the old quake wet rocket launcher deal. And then they have everything in between. They have support characters, defense. They have a they have a robot who's adorable who could turn turn into a turret and blast people. And then they have more different robots. It's pretty cool so far. I, I've really liked it. And the beta sold me on it. It's an extremely polished game. It's addictive. Even mm. if you have dick teammates, it's easy to just say, hey, I want to break so you can play against bots. It's it's a lot of fun. But it is only multiplayer. There's no there's no single player. It is only multiplayer. There is no okay. single player. That's right. 
it does not surprise me that a blizzard would make something extremely polished and addictive. Those are those are two words they are very good at. Oh yeah. And <laughs> the blizzard polish is definitely there. Do you think this is a game? I mean, obviously if the beta sold you on it, do you see this as a game that you'll be playing for a while? Is this the the kind of game that um, is it worth getting it now to be in with everybody before it falls off? Or do you think this is going to have the legs for people like me who maybe don't have 60 bucks to drop on it? I think it'll, it, it'll be like Team Fortress in that it is something you can come back and continue to play. There are so many characters and so many different kinds of team comps that it will be easy to, to mix things up every game. Especially if you have the same group of friends running around, you can say, hey, I'm going to roll support this time. And in, unlike League of Legends, where you're stuck with the support roll for like 30 to 40 minutes, you're stuck with the support roll for 10 minutes. And then you get to move on and maybe do something else. Also, from what I understand, the model for Overwatch is that you pay 60 bucks for this game and then all the updates are going to be free. So if they <laughs> release new heroes, you get those heroes for free. That's nice. So yeah. That's good. And is there uh, is there RPG level up mechanics or is it skill based? It's skill based. The only level ups are just for unlocking packages, which give you skins and and spray paints and emotes and stuff like that. That's the only thing you get from leveling up is those okay. those deals. And you get a little number by your name. So cosmetic stuff. Exactly. Mostly. Okay, that's good. That's good. I was just this was almost sounding in a way like evolve. Uh, at least the the four person squad part of Evolve, where you pick a uh, class and you play that role, but that also had a level up mechanic that would unlock weapons and perks and game mechanics stuff. So it's nice that this, if I was to pick this up later, I wouldn't be trying to catch up without all of the toys. Yeah, and you don't have to do that. It's it's all laid out for you. It's it's really 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 good. I will say there was a weird set of launch issues. So mm -hmm. when we when we were first hooking up for the game, first of all, like it was the launch was pretty weird. Like they did a global launch and it happened for us at 6 p.m. yesterday. So 6 p.m. rolls around, I load up the game and it's not ready. It says, mm -hmm. "Hey, this game isn't ready. We'll let you know when it is." And I'm like, "That's weird." because it's past six o'clock and it's supposed to be ready now. Mm. So what um, ended up happening was about 30 minutes after the supposed launch, the game says, hey, I'm ready to play. It's like, okay, great. So I hop on, I get on a party with, the, uh, with some friends that I want to play with and we can't invite each other to games. Ugh. Like if you invite via the party, if you invite via in-game, the invites weren't getting sent or weren't getting received. PC Which players is, didn't have this issue. Eh. It was just console. So I think what's, what happened is when the game launched, something broke in the means by which the game utilizes console network access or yeah. assets, I should say. So like for both PSN and Xbox Live, something was just not hooking correctly in the game. Eventually, mm. they did get it fixed. Like, I got a text at, like, 1230 at night saying, hey, invites are working. 
And we did actually get some workarounds going. Uh, we ended up, like, we would spectate each other playing bots games. And since there's only one team in a bots game, if you get in on that game, you're going to be on that team. Whereas if people were specking people in actual PvP, you could end up on either team. Oh. But so, it was fixed. So we, uh, we played some normal games today. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And when I get back from vacation, I'll probably be playing more. Yeah, I am not surprised that a multiplayer-based game would have kind of a, a crazy launch that would have some issues. Because as much as we were just saying before about how Blizzard is all about polish, it's, it's a multiplayer launch. There's going to be some issues. So the fact that it was fixed rather quickly is good. Are you playing this on PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox, of course. Cool. All right. Well, I'll have to look. I've, I've been looking into it. If I had the money, I probably, probably would get it. Maybe, maybe very soon. If if only to be able to play with some of my friends when they're not playing Halo. Because, because Halo. Because Halo still continues to be my baby. Yeah. And it, it like I said, it's very Team Fortress-like. And I played Team Fortress for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Luke was also a huge fan of Team Fortress. I... I remember playing a couple of matches on the Xbox, but because um, I, I picked up the orange box way back in the day and I picked it up basically for Portal and Half-Life, but it had Team Fortress on it and I gave it a try, but um, it was hard to find people to play with because most of the people that I knew at the time who were playing multiplayer uh, Team Fortress, they were playing it on the PC and there was already so many updates and... Uh, patches and hats and things that when so they many goddamn tried, hats. Yeah, when they tried to, I mean, this was still we're talking years and years and years ago. There was still already all of this stuff, but they never updated the Xbox version of Team Fortress. So they said it was like coming back to a completely different game and not something they were interested in. But hey, I got Portal out of the deal, and that that still made me happy. Yeah, I pretty much bought it for the same reason. I bought it for Portal and uh, and Half Life because I loved playing Half Life. So I am putting a picture up on the stream real quick to illustrate something that has changed for me. Uh, basically, <gasps> yeah, that happened. You have no hair. I have very little in the way of hair anymore. Why? So, and this actually leads into a story that I was going to tell. Uh, I went to an excellent event on Saturday where a local brewery invited people to come play board games in their brewery. Ooh, very cool. Yeah, so they have a tap room, which a lot of breweries have, where you can come sample beer, buy beer, do all kinds of stuff. And I went with a bunch of friends, and we sat down, we sampled beer, so many good beers. I bought in a canned growler, which they called crowlers, which I didn't know was a thing. Hmm. I bought a chai, brown ale, and a coconut Belgian. Ooh. They're both really, really good. And there were a lot of other really, really good beers, too. It was great. We played board games. They had a food truck out back with it sold yummy, yummy tacos. So after the event, uh, I saw some pictures that were posted on Facebook. And one of them was of me. And it, I was sitting down at a table, and I was just playing the game. Well, the picture was from, like, above me so because I was sitting down they were standing up and I did not like the way my hair looked I felt like it was getting it was getting really thin it was getting really weird looking 
so I had been thinking about doing this for a while. And okay. I, was, I saw that picture and I'm like, nope, I'm doing it. I don't care. Shaving the head. Shaving the head. Right now, what I did is I took some clippers to it and shaved it with a one guard. What I'm going to do tomorrow is actually shave it with no guard. And that's going to be my vacation haircut. Which actually makes a lot of sense considering what you're planning on doing on your vacation is probably going to be much more comfortable. I would think so. Like, I didn't have any problems with hair, obviously, uh, when I was scuba diving. It's just I didn't have enough of it. But this will be interesting. This will be, uh, I'll just have to wear hats. <laughs> hats will be good. Uh, I did order Make myself. Make sure you sunscreen nice, your head. I, I actually now have, as part of my morning routine, sunscreen that I use on my face and head. So, are you happy? Yeah, I actually am. I, it's good. weird to see myself in the mirror. And I think I'll be happier once I get rid of the fuzzy buzz cut and go to the actual buzz buzz cut where it's stubble. It's more stubble and less fuzz. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend of the show, Izzy, about this haircut. She sort of felt the same way. Like she saw this picture and said, well, you, well it, it looks okay, but are you going to take a bick to it? Are you going to razor it down? And I'm like, well, I haven't decided yet. And I think what I've decided is I'm going to go ahead and, and shave it one more time with no guard. So... It, they're stubble, but I'm not going to take a razor to it because I think doing the whole razor bit is just way too much effort. <laughs> well, and you know what? Either way, it's not a big deal. If you take the no guard to it and you look at it and go, uh, no, just bick it and you bick it. And yeah, it'll take a while, but you can always do that. And you know what? If you bick it and you look at it and go, ah, I should have done that. It's hair. It'll grow back. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you like it, awesome. I'm glad. I, I'm slightly envious because you know if there wasn't this whole social norms about females and hair i might consider doing the same thing luke might be very upset with me if i did that though also <laughs> i would get a lot of questions because yeah females are supposed to have hair so but cool i'm glad you like it i think it looks pretty good uh that's not the most amazing picture to look at it from and i think um, I think you got a good head to be bald with. Yeah, uh, I actually, uh, one of my friends that I played board games with, uh, Christy, who I probably have mentioned on the show once or twice, she said that I had a very nicely shaped head. That is important when you go bald, I think, because now people are looking at the, the curvature of your head. They're looking at the symmetry instead of the hair. And so you, you need to have a decent skull and it looks like you do. So, yeah. But the important thing is that you're happy with it. Yeah, I am happy so far. Good. Uh, what, so that happened, and I, I don't want to take <laughs> so too much. That happened. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take too much away from the board gaming thing because that was really awesome. And apparently, they do that every month, and I can't wait to go back. It's uh, I can't. I don't know if it's Coop or Co-op Brewery in Oklahoma City, but they're the ones who put it on, and they they make a fine beer and put on a good event. See, what you should do now is get that picture of you that you talked about that that you saw yourself in, and you need to do a before and after. Eh, no, I I don't want to. Aww. All right. Well, maybe, maybe someday you'll change your mind. But I'm, I'm kind of excited about seeing this before picture that spurned you to an after. Well, I'll show it to you privately. Okay. I will. I will say that uh, that speaking of Christy. So after the board gaming thing, we went out to dinner, and we were just kind of talking, talking, and the subject came around to Uber, and so I, I talked about the troubles that were going on in Austin. Apparently, there is a nonprofit ride service. It is being launched, uh, I think now, 
in Austin called Ride Austin. Oh, okay. And, and this isn't this isn't the what is it? Get me that they've been talking about on the Rich Teeth podcast. Go get me. No, it's not that. Go get me. Okay. Uh, which I am. I'm willing to try. I hear it's a little bit more expensive, but I'd be willing to give it a go, especially if they have more drivers. But anyway, so I, I started talking about Uber, and Christy had never really heard of Uber. Or she, I think she had heard of it, just didn't really know what was going on. So I opened up my Uber app, and I was like. And so you can find drivers and stuff like that. Also, you can see the cars on the GPS. That's what blew her mind. <laughs> like, Christy is awesome, and, uh, and she, she has adorable reactions to stuff. And her reaction to the little cars moving around in Uber was most adorable. Nice. Uh, well, you know what? She's right. It's adorable. And that does kind of blow your mind. But it is also one of the best selling points of both Uber and Lyft, being able to go that car, I want you and to watch it and to be able to see it arrive and not have, you know, because that's always been the, the main problem with the cliche cab services is you order one and then you just you don't know where they are and they don't show up and they just decide not to show up. You can just watch on your phone and be like, yep, here he comes. It's he's five minutes away and it's great. I love it. So that was actually, and I, I mentioned how lazy it made us sometimes when we would see a car just around and we'd be like, well, we don't want to walk four or five blocks. There's an Uber car right here. <laughs> Let's just take that. And I would be willing, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be in Austin in a couple of weeks and Luke and I got to get from the airport to places. I mean, once we're in town, we should be okay because we're, we're staying right there by the convention center, but um, we, we've got to at least get to and from the airport. And if this, you know, I'll look into both of these and I'm willing to pay a little bit more than your standard cab fare to get those kind of services, to be able to GPS the car, to be able to pay through the app and not have to worry about handing someone my credit card or paying with cash or any of those things. Uh, I'm totally up to trying one of those places. We'll have to see. It'll suck, though, to get to Austin because the Uber and Lyft are both apps that I I have a car. So once a year, I reinstall both those apps on my phone and I go to Austin and then I use them and then I leave and I uninstall the apps. Oh, I keep them around. I I've, I've actually found them handy in town for if I've had a little too much too, too much drink and I need to get home, even in small town Norman, mm -hmm. we do have campus corner and i have had to do that once or twice but more practically like if i need to go take my car to the dealership and i don't want to stay at the dealership i can just uber back home ah uh, yeah i haven't really had one of those experiences yet but you know what it's so easy to re-download either of those apps and it saves all of my information because it's all just through uh right Google. it's all client client stuff exactly well, I do want to talk before we get into uh, our, our weekly Game of Thrones spoiler cast. I do want to spend a couple of minutes and talk about the few minutes I saw of the pilot episode of the Dungeons and Dragons game that Rooster Teeth is putting out. Yes, which, let's hear about it. So uh, several disclaimers. One, I've maybe only seen about 20. I saw like the first couple of minutes and then I've skipped around. I'm going to watch the whole thing. There's like a three and a half hour pilot episode that got put out just a couple of hours ago you do have to be a sponsor to watch it so basically i just kind of skipped around the uh jeff did say this is that in the pilot episode they're playing pre-gen characters and doing a pre-made adventure they're specifically doing out of the abyss 
and it's um, the set is friggin' gorgeous. Oh my God, Jonathan, if we ever have unlimited money, we're getting Marcus to just design a Dungeons and Dragons and Drunk set because holy shit, they've got this giant wooden table that has a TV set into it that then has a, a clear plexiglass over it. And so they can display stuff on the TV um, like battle maps and things. And uh, they've got obviously really nice dice boxes and the, the dice rollers and the whole set is dressed in, you know, gothic candles, wood, dark with really nice lighting. Everyone's sitting in plush chairs. It's very, it's, it's a very nicely dressed set. You know, it, it's rooster teeth. They spared no expense. Um, they were using pre-gen characters. It's Jeff, Gus, Michael, Ryan, and uh, I've just lost the name of the gentleman who's actually DMing. Um, I want to say David? I don't know. I did not recognize him. Oh, so Frank. I, it's Frank. It's Okay. Um, and yeah, so they're, they're running out of the abyss. I really only, as I said, I watched bits and pieces here, there, and everywhere. It's interesting because I know both Gus and Jeff have played D&D um, in the past. Gus is a, a huge old school D&D player and, and kind of skipped fourth edition. Um, I don't know about Michael and Ryan quite so much, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Definitely with, with us doing dungeon drunks, it's interesting to suddenly have Rooster Teeth in the D&D space. But frankly, a couple of months ago, they had Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham from uh, the voice actors who also were on Critical Role visit the, uh, the Rooster Teeth offices. And it doesn't surprise me that they might have asked those fine folk for tips about running a D&D game live on on the air and yeah it'll be interesting to see I'm I'm hoping they promise that if the pilot does well that the show will be an original a homebrew world and original characters and and everything I don't think it's a bad thing that they're running a pre-gen adventure that they're running out of the abyss I you know I, I think that's absolutely fine. It's always fun to kind of see how different groups tackle those adventures. But I think for um, for Rooster Teeth, it might be more interesting if they have something completely homebrew. And we'll have to see what, what actually happens. As I said, it's a three and a half hour episode and it just dropped a couple hours ago. So I don't know too much about anything other than that, except I want that set. <gasps> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out at, at work tomorrow. I'll have it on in the background and, and yeah. we'll see how it goes. I've actually been, now that now that Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks and Glip Shark are on Google Play, it's Ooh. been so easy for me to go back and revisit past episodes. Yes. You should and go find Glip Shark on Google Play. Just search for Glip Shark and you'll find most of our episodes. I will say that as we've been going forward, the the podcast feed has been getting more and more populated but it did seem like a few of the episodes got truncated for some reason oh. but most of it is there it's still good you should still check it out and and let me let us know if you if you run into any problems we'll see what we can do yep and i have been hard at work on not only uh dungeon drunks in general but the adventure that we will be running at rtx which uh is going to be on s saturday of rtx Yes, Saturday night, Saturday night. At, uh, 
Room 16 at 7 p.m. In the actual convention center. So definitely come check us out. Let us know if you're coming. And I'm I'm super excited. I'm anticipating lots of fun times. And I'm trying to decide what I'm going to be drinking. It might just be whatever somebody brings to me. Because I might be too concerned with making sure that everything is ready. I'm excited. At this point, do we need to talk about Game of Thrones? Yes. Let me go ahead and set our timer. If you are not interested in Game of Thrones then I would suggest you skedaddle and we love you and we will be glad to have you back next week. But until then, thank you so much for joining us and we will see you then. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay. You're going to love the image that I have. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm laughing at the large spoilers that's just written across everything now. <laughs> I just love that image. I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> it's been on there every single oh, time. There we go. Yep. So I. All right. I, that happened. Yeah. I'm never going to be happy again ever. Okay. I, that was the one thing I was semi spoiled on. Um, because of the gig that I had this week and Luke being in Vancouver and coming back Sunday night and work, we were not able to watch the episode Sunday night. And I was, I was not concerned about spoilers because I, I'm pretty careful on my, um, on my feed who I watch on Twitter and I didn't go on Facebook and I didn't go on like Reddit or anything, but there were enough hold the door things that were being bandied about and I, I couldn't avoid them all. So I knew going into this episode that something happened with Hodor and a door and holding a door. So it still was a super effective moment at the end of that episode and uh, still kind of surprising because I, you know, I didn't have really context, but that was the one thing I did get spoiled on. I, I was a mess. I Aww. like, I have known what's going to happen in the Game of Thrones TV show for five years. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> Until now. This season has been rough. I don't know. I, I probably said this before, but I have no idea how you people out there, yes, you people who didn't read the books, were just watching the show, how you got this far. I'm impressed because I don't like this. Oh, I love it. I, I love I, it okay, so I, I, much. I, I, I do actually like it, but I also I know. complain. But I don't like it. <laughs> it's fucking Imagine weird. If you had to go through the red you people wedding. are weird. No. Nope. I love I, you. I will people. say that um I I really did affect me. And and for those who, who for some reason might not know, we are of course talking about the we're gonna actually probably talk about this episode in reverse. We're gonna talk about the the big stuff first and then and then go on. Because honestly, the episode wasn't was okay until we started kind of ramping up. I I don't know. I thought it very quickly got to the point of where like, oh shit, is this a season finale that we're just seeing like major character moments with everybody? Like, well, like shit. I don't know. Like I actually have a note that I wasn't sure what the whole point of the War of Kings play was. Like obviously it was a device to make Arya mad and get her into a mood to kill the chick that she was supposed to kill. But then like 
she seemed to get less angry. She got to meet the actors, see what they were really like. She actually got to like this chick that she's supposed to kill. And then she's all questioning Jacques and Hakkar, saying, do I really have to kill this person? And Jacques and Hakkar's like, we don't ask questions. We just do what we need to do. So I get that it was all there for doubt, but they like they spend 15 or 10 to 15 minutes on this whole scene. And it, I, don't, I don't know. I just really wasn't down with it. The whole Kingsmooth thing, that kind of, turned out predictably and i was like eh, i'm not really impacted by this and it was oh see now okay wait before we go too far um i you're not wrong in that i do think maybe the actual stage play of of um the, the whole stage play thing actually watching them perform might have gone on a little too long however aria's journey with trying to become a fa- uh, uh, one of these faceless men has all been about her deciding to finally, you know, become a, a girl with no name. And she's constantly having who she was thrown in her face. And up until recently, that has been a stumbling block for her. That has been, she's not been able to really forget who she is. Whether or not that's a good thing or whether or not that's something that she really does want as much as she says so is immaterial so the fact that we got to see her progression through this you know watching her history essentially and then have to sit there and wonder is she gonna go off the rails again and then start to you know she now has reached a different stumbling block in this journey she has let aria go but she is who she is and she is a kind of a good person she does have some morals and so, and what she hasn't gotten so far are a lot of answers she clung to um you know becoming someone with no name because it, it was something for her to do somewhere to go and a person she respected but she is just now starting to realize the ramifications of becoming this person who doesn't exist and what is she going to have to do? And I think seeing her reach that point is important. I think, you know, now the issue isn't, you know, is the the blonde girl that's constantly teasing her and, and smacking her and, and uh, winning against her used to be able to win by poking at her with the Aria stick. She's not going to be able to do that anymore. But this is the new stumbling block, questioning, you know, and does she get answers or does she accept that, you know, a, a serving the many face God means serving and not asking questions. So I, I don't disagree with you that maybe the actual play went on too long, but I think that was all very important to see. All right, we've crested this hill. Let's go to another. Um, the King's moot. I actually, for a moment thought that we might see, <coughs> sorry, that we might see what's his face be an asshole again. Theon, there we go. Um, Theon has been seasons and seasons of making really fucked up poor decisions, of being kind of a good person, but not really, being put in a position to make the right choice and consistently making the wrong choice. And despite what actually ended up happening, there's a moment when they call on him and he has to make a choice. Is he really going to stand up for his sister and do what really is the right thing to do? 
or is he going to be an asshole? And so the fact that he actually did the right thing, I think is super important. And the fact that you then see him charging down the beach with everybody and he know he didn't have that look that he's had for the last season and a half of this broken man who is about to like just cry at any moment. That's all Theon has done for the last two seasons is look like a sack of shit that could cry at the drop of a hat. And when he was charging down the beach with his sister and all of those men heading onto the boats, getting onto those ships, taking, you know, being one of the crew in armor, cleaned up, he looked like a real man again. And I think that whole thing was super important. It really wasn't about the sister. It was about him. I can see that. <sighs> that's uh, that's something definitely to consider. And she took a massive army with her. Massive navy. That's a massive navy. Well, yeah. and we don't know what she's going to do with it. And part of me wonders now that she knows what um what the plan is of the new king of the iron isles if she doesn't take this navy and go down to daenerys and head him off at the pass by offering up the navy to her with no strings attached or offering them for gold or offering them you know as allies you know we'll if see. he shows like up with only his cock to offer <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there might be a longer play here because obviously Euron wants to build a new navy, which yeah. I got to say, so in the books, when they drown people as part of their ceremonies, it's not something they do for everyone, but it does happen as part of the rites of the drowned god. They never just left them there as far as I knew in the books. They actually revived them. They drowned them. They let them you know, be dead for a little bit. And then they're like, okay. And then they brought him back. And then they did some chest compression. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure the damp hair mentioned bringing initiates back that way. Yeah. I think you're right, but it's been so long since I've read those books. But yeah, that, that was a little interesting. So another thing that happened early on in the episode before we revisit uh, Hodor and his <laughs> noble and sacrifice, Sansa. So I love the scene with her and Littlefinger where she's basically telling him, it's your fault that all this happened to me. She's not wrong. She's totally justified. But in my mind, she makes a really big mistake in that Littlefinger tells her that the Blackfish has retaken River Run, which is really good news if it's true, which we I... don't know if it's true or not coming from Littlefinger. Uh... You make a very good point. I think it's true because he, no matter what his end game is, I think he came to that meeting with her expecting to be yelled at. Um, I don't know if he was truly expecting to die uh, or, you know, the possibility being very close to being there. I think he came to do, you know, he's bringing his army to to come help out. I think his his ultimate goal might be to continue to be warden of the north or to try to become warden of the north and ousting the Boltons would definitely help. And I don't think he would feed her misinformation because I think he needs her as much as she needs him 
Um, so I, I, I think it's true. I think her only mistake was completely dismissing and, and dismissing him outright and being like, I've decided not to kill you, but fuck off. I never want to see you again. He is too powerful of an individual who she knows has an attraction to her on many levels and has the, has the resources that she needs. So um, I kind of wish that she had, you know, she says right at the beginning of that, you freed me from people who were horrible and abusing me, but then you delivered me to someone who did the same. Um, so I, I, I wish she had decided to be more political about it and less emotional, but she still is relatively new at being a player in the Game of Thrones instead of a pawn. Right. I don't know. I, but you're that, absolutely right. He could be lying. That bugged me that she would take him at face value with that very important piece of information. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's that I I might have misunderstood. I thought the original idea was that only a few people were gonna ride out to uh to see him, but it looked like John uh, was taking everybody, including all of the wildlings. Did I did I miss that at the end? That they were all riding off? They're going somewhere, but I don't think they were necessary. I think they're heading south. And so we'll see what yeah, happens I, with that. Yeah. I, I thought, because there's that moment when Sansa is talking to, um, uh, oh my God, what's her name? I, names are Brienne. just... Brienne. It's the second week in a row you've forgotten Brienne's name. It's the second week in a row I just can't remember anybody's name. Um, when they're talking and it's the same conversation where Brienne says, you know, why did you lie about this information? Um, they start the conversation arguing about Sansa staying there with John and sending Brienne off to go to uh, try to make allies. But by the end of the episode, they're all marching off together. And I'm like, what the fuck is going? I, uh, so I don't know if I missed something. Are they going in different directions? No, I think they're all going to the same place. John's definitely not going in a different direction from Sansa. So why was the discussion at the beginning about sending Brienne off, you know, because Sansa has to reassure her, no, John is, he is my brother and he's not everybody else and he'll protect me. I think she she is sending Brienne to go and check on one of the, some of these other like minor houses that they want to join up on. I think Brienne is going to go on the tour of minor houses. Okay. All right, we'll have to see. Um, all right, what else? What else? Uh, oh, we got to see a red woman in uh, in the capital with Tyrion, and have That's, that fun. Yeah, moment. that was kind of interesting. And then we also had the origin of the White Walkers, which they kind of glossed over. The, we the White Walkers are weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Yep. And then we saw <laughs> those weapons of mass destruction uh, being used against the Three-Eyed Raven. Well, the question is, what do the weapons of mass destruction want? To destroy. I think they, they are, their purpose is to destroy man. And yes. that's exactly what they're going to do. But they seem to, like, Bran having that vision quest with them seemed to alert them 
in a in a very hyperactive way. So was it specifically these men? Um, why, you know, obviously there's some intelligence going on because they're making it a point to amass an army, even though these beings seem to be pretty powerful. Um, and they now are turning against the the children that created them. They're probably so, pissed. They're probably who they might have motivations that are completely alien to a human mind. Yeah, maybe they may just want want to watch the world freeze. Okay, so then if as we continue through the end game here with Hodor and his moment, is Bran viewing past events or has he gone into the past? So the books address this a little bit. In one of the early visions with the three-eyed raven, he like is kind of feeling out the trees and he's going from tree to tree to tree. So he's feeling the trees in the present. But then he sees a a god's wood where Ned Stark is sitting in it. And he gets really excited because he's like, father, father. And he, ch- he calls out and he's supposed to be only viewing things. But then Ned Stark looks up like he's mm-hmm. heard a voice. So in the books, at least from early on, the green seeing that, uh, that Bran was doing, he was able to affect the past. And clearly that's a theme going forward. He has very much affected the past. He oh, yeah. is responsible. He and, and, and uh, Mira are responsible for making Hodor. Well, and when we saw the Tower of Joy flashback, we got that scene of him calling out to his father and his father turning to hear a ghost. So um, this isn't completely out of the blue, but it time travel makes me weary. Well, I don't wary. <laughs> I don't know that it's necessarily time travel. I think it's time communication. Like it's having your voice heard in more than one time. And I think that's definitely what we got here. And we, we only have a few minutes left, so I do, I do want to talk about this in, yeah. in depth. That was one of the most tragic things I've ever seen in a TV show. Was Hodor holding the door shut? Hold, hold, Hodor holding the door shut. And because of Bran and his green seeing, talking to Willis in the past and fricasseeing his brain and causing the chain of events that made Hodor from this moment of self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had, I, I almost burst into tears afterward thinking about it. In the moment, I was shocked. But later on, I was thinking about it. I'm like, God damn, that's, that's just really sad thinking about the whole thing. Think, thinking of what, of of what it did to poor Willis. Like he he seemed like this really nice, really gentle kid. And because Bran is terrible and can't control his his mind green seeing powers, he causes this. Someone was actually talking about how awful Bran is and how pretty much everything <laughs> is Bran's fault. Like his mother asked him not to climb while the Lannisters were around. Well, what did he do? Well, he climbed. Uh, he, he decided, you know what? I am going to go and become a green seer. Well, you know what? He became a green seer and it, and it killed Hodor. And he's, he's warged into Hodor before. Hodor didn't like that. He didn't yeah. like it at all. Yeah. 
it's but then again if he is able to affect the past whether we call it green seeing or time travel or whatever um what else has already happened that he's about to cause i and don't i really is hope it his fault if he if it's something that is in his past that is it fate does he have to do it i mean this this turns into the whole time travel paradox of we what came first we have 20 seconds left so what i was going to say is (laughs) i really hope they don't use it anymore i hope that the damage is done that he doesn't do it like like people were saying that it like oh did he cause the fire at Summerhill or did he cause eris to go mad no i think those things just happened and i think it would be a really cheap trick to blame that all on brand yeah. No, I I think they're totally right. Also, the last thing I really want to see is a White Walker Hodor. <laughs> well, he wouldn't be a White Walker Hodor. He'd be a uh he'd be a White Hodor. He'd be a White Hodor, yeah. Which is it's pretty probably going to happen. It's but yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And with that horrible horrible thought, we'll end this week's spoiler cast for Game of Thrones. Yeah. That was uh-huh. uh Without spoiling it, that was a. It, it was a really, really good episode. It started, it started as a good episode and became, a, and transcended as as it progressed. And we didn't even talk about Daenerys and her unrequited love, and we didn't I, we talk, we didn't talk about a half a dozen things. But as you said, we are out of time. Yeah, should have uh, should have done this for thirty minutes. But our That's sound okay. producer is me, Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Our voice actor is the inimitable Bob Ball, and our music is done by Linnea Boyev. And for all of us here at Glib Shark, uh, me at Road underscore Block, her at Oboe Crazy, him not appearing in this show at Jack Edithel, all of us at Glib Shark and at Dungeon Drunks, we encourage you to to subscribe to our Twitter, see what's going on, find us on Google Play, find us on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. This episode will be up on it pretty soon. And so you can watch it there or subscribe to us at, at our normal uh, RSS feed. But we really do appreciate every moment you spend with us. It's, it's very cool. Thank you. And for all of us, this is Jonathan Cerna saying good night, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glibshark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.